Let's pick up that thread with our guest, my cousin, my second cousin, Eddie Matz of ESPN.com. Eddie, how are you, my friend? Good morning. You're on yeah, with uh, the uh, estimable uh, Craig Heist and your second cousin, Stan the Fan. I don't know what that word means, but anyway. My, Mike Soroka is your starter for the Braves tonight, too. All right, so Soroka Sanchez. Right. Okay. Uh, we're starting, we were in the midst of a conversation on Richie Martin. Craig Heist and I, both our eyeballs tell us he's a pretty darn good defender. I, I'm told that metrically speaking or analytically speaking, that doesn't really match the the reality. What do you know and what do you see, Ed? I haven't looked at his advanced metrics recently. Uh, yep. I see good and bad from him. Yep. I think he's, he seems to have good instincts. Uh, he's a terrific athlete and I feel like he, he moves well and gets the ball as well. But I see him do some things sometimes that you're like, oh, he's still a young, yep. still a young shortstop, right? He's still a young player. I forget there was a play the other night where it was, it was like a. I remember that play that Manny Machado made a couple of years ago, like three or four years ago, where the guy was coming around third, right. take to first, and threw back. It was it was kind of a play like that, where there was a runner going from second to third. He knew, and so Richie Martin like tried to do a similar thing, but it just it didn't look right. Like, it it didn't look right. Yeah. So you know, he just still looks like he's kind of growing into his defensive self. I think he's, he's fine. You know, I think, I think he's fine. But it, it wouldn't surprise me that metrics don't uh, don't rate him out great. All right. I think you get pluses and minuses. So, so now you've watched him for nearly, you know, 100 games into the season. He starts probably two out of every three games, I'm guessing, roughly. Uh, your thoughts on where he fits into the Orioles long term? Usually the ideal situation from for a guy that played at double-A last year would be to kind of hide him up here, not play him quite as much as he's played, but that's on teams that, care about winning in in the you know in the in the now um do you think he goes back to triple a next year or does the club sort of say you know what it's not going to make that much difference to our win-loss record let's try and develop them at the major league level yeah i think he's more likely to stay up just because they're not going to be trying to win next year, and I'm not sure what the point of sending him down is. Who's going to fill in all the other games at short? I don't think you want to necessarily like quote unquote waste money on a free agent to come in and play shortstop. Um, so I think he's more likely to stay up. But then long term, I don't. You know, gone are the days when you can have a shortstop who's like decent with the glove and doesn't really give you anything offensively. Right. You know, especially um, in the American they, League. Especially in the American yeah. League. These days, you, everyone needs to hit almost right except yep. maybe your catcher and. But uh, yeah, I, if you're talking past the new term, I can't envision him. Uh, who knows? You know, maybe he's still young. He could turn the corner, and then then I look like an idiot, right? And he becomes like an all-star shortstop. But so at this question, point, it, does, it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. The question is then: Rule five in its it, the the concept behind the rule five is so somebody doesn't get stuck in somebody's organization interminably long and ruin most of the the prime of their career just because that team owns them but is it truly good for the development of a player if if a guy goes to a team like the Orioles right now and he's just thrown into the deep water and they say swim you know yeah no <laughs> no it's not but you know, what are the alternatives right yeah like, uh, you know the the, the player the team basically gets to get somebody for free, more or less, although they have to take up a roster spot, and the player gets an opportunity that they otherwise might not have had. Yep. You know, so 
I'm sure Richie Martin is thrilled to be in the bigs and to be a mostly everyday player. So, yeah, it might not be what's best for his development because, you know, especially with hitting, confidence is such a huge thing in baseball, right, at any level, like starting from Little League all the way up. You know, if you think you can't hit, you can't hit. And if you think you can, you can. You'd rather take your time and have a guy go incrementally up the, up the ladder and feeling good mentally. But, um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for learning on the job, too. Uh, there really is, and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm with Stan on this one. I just think that what I see, and I sit next to Steve Molesky too, I'm a good buddy from MassInSports.com. Uh, but I, I, you know, and we 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 still think the same way, pretty much, and that the the defense is, you know, from what we can see, is pretty good. I mean, you know, but uh, offensively, it's whether or not this kid's going to be able to hit. And when when Stan asked me that question, I was thinking more than anything else that they'll have to probably wait the end of this year out and see, you know, whether or not they feel like there's some, uh, you know, potential there with the bat. And and I don't know whether there is or not, but you you certainly had a hell of a game last night for sure. Well, he had a hell of a season at the double-A level last year. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone had a hell of a game last night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think about the uh, Nationals? That's a tough one to lose last night, uh, especially after you – they never led in the game, but they crawled their way back from 3-1 down when Robles hits the two-run homer. Uh, got a solid outing out of Corbin, probably not as deep as in the game that he'd like to go, but uh, they, they fought back, and then uh, Fernando Rodney gave it up in the bottom of the ninth inning and didn't get anybody out in the process. Yeah, it was, it was, that was, if you're a Nationals fan, that was a depressing one. As soon as Robles hit that homer and the ending ended with the game tied, I knew exactly where that game was headed. Everyone knew exactly where that game was headed. Three, three, four years ago when the Orioles were contending and their bullpen was filthy, you got into a game like that, tie game late, and you knew that the Orioles were going to win because they just had a deep bullpen that was going to be better than the other team's bullpen. And they were going to throw up zeros there until the offense did something. These days with the Nationals, it's the exact opposite. Even though the bullpen's been better lately and Rodney has been a, a big part of that, when it gets into a game like that, tied late, you just know that they're not going to win. Well, you know, and, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm and not if sure it's not Doolittle, if it's not Doolittle out there, then yeah, there's, there's definitely issues, and then the question. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I knew it was going to happen that quickly, but honestly, like I, I think Doolittle, I, I don't even think Doolittle's been that good this year. He's been fine, but he is a fraction of the guy that he's been the last couple of years. If you look at his. His metrics, his swing and miss rate, which was like 33 or 34% last year, is down to 24% this year. That's a huge drop. And when you watch him, he has all these long at-bats. Instead of getting you know, 13, 14 pitch innings, he's getting 21 pitch innings. The guys are fouling off three, four balls, it seems like, every time he gets well, into a strike count. I will say this, overwork in the first half of the no season is, is part of that problem, I think. Yeah, but even before, even at the beginning, and he's admitted to that, he's admitted to fatigue, but I feel like even at the beginning when he was kind of fresh out of the gate, we were still getting some of that. So he's good. He's obviously the least of of the Nationals' problems in the bullpen. Um, But, yeah, it was a head-scratcher. It reminded me of the the Britain game in Toronto, the playoff game last night. Um, I was like, even from the beginning, I would have brought Doolittle in on the road. Right. Uh, It just didn't make any sense to me. So, Eddie, what what level do the Nationals and Mike Rizzo try and fix that problem with? I mean, they signed Rodney. They signed Venners. uh, Prior to that, who did they Dan Jennings they had. Now now they (laughs) signed Brad Boxberger. Do they go out and get somebody that's really – 
as elite as Doolittle, or is it just a helper that they get? Uh, I I don't think they can afford to get somebody as elite as Doolittle, right? So all the top line closer names, reliever names that you hear being bounced around right now, guys like Kirby Yates from the Padres and Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates and Will Smith from the Giants, Ken Giles from the Blue Jays, all those guys are going to cost top prospects. So for the Nationals, that's probably a guy like Carter Keeboom, who's a middle infielder that's very highly thought of. He's their top prospect. Yeah. And I can't imagine they're going to be willing to part with him for a couple reasons. One, because he's their top prospect and they don't want to get rid of him. Two, Rizzo and, and management just don't seem to value overpaying for bullpen help, whether it's uh, in the offseason with signing free agents or whether it's during trade deadline season when you're trading human assets. So I don't think they're going that route. But there's plenty of other relievers out there. Like even that Giants bullpen has like four guys, right? Sam Dyson is in there. Mark Melanson's in there. So I see them as they're going to get somebody, which they should. They should get at least one and probably two. You're going for a second tier or lower arm who doesn't have the name recognition but can still give you quality innings in the seventh and eighth inning. And that way you're not trading Carter Keeble and you're trading like, who knows, maybe like a top 10 prospect in your system or maybe even a little lower down. So that's where they should go. But the flip side is this is not like past years where they were leading the division by like nine games and they knew that they didn't have to play a wild card game. So here you run the risk of trading capital, human capital for a reliever, and then you get into the wild card game. And yes, you have Max Scherzer and you think, we're going to win that game and get into the series anyway. But suppose you don't. Like, Scherzer hasn't been great in the playoffs. He's dinged up right now. So suppose, for whatever reason, the Nationals don't win a wild-card game. Well, first they have to get there. And then suppose they don't win the wild-card game. Then you've traded some capital and made some moves for nothing, really. So it's tricky, but I I still can't imagine them not going out there and getting a couple arms. It's such an obvious need. This is Stan the Fan. I'm along with Craig Heist. You're listening to the Battle Round, and it's uh, being aired out of the Live Casino Hotel Studios. We urge everyone watching us on Facebook Live to like and share the stream. Eddie, uh, you've covered both teams now for about three to four years. You know the dynamics with the Masson lawsuit and what the learners and the Angelos families are, uh, what they think of one another probably. Uh, is there a possibility that the perfect fit would be Michael Givens going to the Nationals, say for Michael A. Taylor and a, and a 17- or 18-year-old international player a trade that normally would make a lot of sense for both teams. Could that come off, or do you think this is uh, something the Orioles would never entertain? I think it could. I, I wouldn't say never. It could certainly happen if the need was right and it, and it fit both teams. It, it could happen. But there's there's so many relievers like Michael Givens on the other 29 teams, base, other 28 teams in baseball, that I don't think it will happen because you just rather not do business you know, those two teams with each other. So I just, you know, there's just so many other guys who are like that. In Baltimore, we see Michael Givens. We know he's been pitching well lately. We know he's a potential trade target. I was last week, when or this week, was today, Saturday? Yeah. Two days ago when I was at the park, I saw a handful of scouts, and some of them told me point blank, we're looking at Givens. Um, but none of them were national scouts on that particular night. That doesn't mean the nationals aren't looking at him. Um so I think in Baltimore, we think, oh, Givens, he's tradable. The Nationals need bullpen help down the road. Givens to the Nationals makes sense, and it does. <laughs> but you got to you got to remember, there's there's 28 other teams. So I think 
I'd be surprised if Givens heads to D.C., but you never know. Never know. Uh, but, you know, obviously between now and the 31st, they've got to do something with that bullpen because I think you're starting pitching for the most part. Scherzer or no Scherzer at this point uh, is pretty solid. Uh, Max says that he doesn't anticipate this being any more than another maybe 10 days or so. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you think about the top three – and then Sanchez with that, uh, you can't afford to be having games like you had last night or even if you have the lead. Uh, and they never led in that game last night. But even if you have the lead, you can't, you can't expect uh, the, this bullpen to be able to, to, to hold on to leads because they've proven time and time again this year they can't. Yeah, you know, I think they, they, they have to include. Honestly, I thought I, might, I would have thought they would have already done something because last year, was that last year, I get confused with all the years, or was it two years ago when they got Kelvin Herrera? Was that last year or two years ago? That was last, last year they year, got yeah. Herrera, yeah. yeah. So that was last year. That was in June. They got way out ahead of that one. And then Madsen and Doolittle in 17, they got them right around this time. I think it was July 21st or 20th, I want to say. So they're, they're typically not one of those teams that waits until the very end. Although I will say the difference is. You know, when you're when you're nine games ahead in the division, it behooves you not to wait because things right. you know you're going to need help. Here in this situation, you know it might make it makes a little bit of sense to wait. Um, a because you're not exactly sure how your own team is going to pan out, and B because if you do wait, you have uh, the market changes. Right, there are teams, there are a lot of teams, especially in the National League, that are kind of caught in the middle there. So you don't really know what the full supply of relievers is, right? Because there might be a team a week from now that thought they were buying that becomes a seller so i would have thought that they would have made a deal already so maybe they're just waiting we're talking with ed Matz of espn.com having for just a few more minutes ed uh uh, early this season coming off the year the nats had last year there was a lot of pressure on dave martinez and it was by some members of media myself included kind of a bullseye on his back that he was part of the problem um, that club has played really, really well the last 45 to 50 games. Does he deserve some of the credit for it? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> uh, I think when they, when they were struggling earlier, he probably didn't deserve a lot of the, the criticism that he was getting. And now that they're playing better, I'm not sure how much of the credit he deserves. You know, the manager, <laughs> especially, in, especially in this situation, you're – you're handcuffed by what your roster is, right? Bullpen management is, is the big thing, right? That's the where managers can kind of win and lose games for the most part, especially in the National League. But, you know, he was dealt a certain hand. They were very deficient in that bullpen. You know, if Trevor Rosenthal and Kyle Bearclaw and if those guys had worked out right off the bat, it would have been a different story. But, sure. you know, there were injuries, there was ineffectiveness. That's not his fault. He wasn't the one making the choices. That was on Mike Rizzo and, and, and the front office. Um, you know, now that they're playing well... Davey's not doing anything differently, right? He's to his credit, he is the same guy. Win, lose, streak, slump, like it doesn't matter. He's the same guy. And for some of us in the media, sometimes it's a little bit annoying. You kind of want to see him get riled up or get bent out of shape, maybe occasionally throw somebody under the bus. But to his credit, he does not do that. So, you know, the, the reason they've been playing so well these last seven, eight weeks is because they're healthy, right? Rendon and Turner weren't healthy earlier, yep. they got healthy. Uh, they got rid of Rosenthal, replaced him effectively with Fernando Rodney. That's helped. You know, some of the, the younger bullpen arms like Wander Suero and Tanner Rainey have shown flashes and been pitching better. 
Uh, Juan Soto, by the way, like Juan Soto was not himself the first six weeks of the season. That's made a huge difference. And then the schedule. They played a lot of crappy, crappy teams the last two, three weeks before the All-Star break. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot easier to beat up on the Royals and the Marlins and the Tigers than it is what they've got now, which is like the Braves, the Dodgers, the Phillies. Yeah, but one so of the, all those things go in there. One of the things, though, that he got really hammered for the first, say, six, seven weeks of this season was, you know, some of his bullpen decision-making issues. Uh, there were two in particular. Last night with maybe not starting Doolittle in the ninth inning, I think, you know, you can question him on that one. But the other night at Camden Yards, that's a two-run game or a one-run game, rather, and they decide not to, uh, you know, to, to, to bring Fetty out again after he's pitched so well and he's only at 66 pitches, you know, and I say after six innings, and I got to say, you know, you got to give him another inning. I understand he hadn't pitched in 14 days, but your last inning that you pitched was a one-two-three inning. It was very easy. And I, I just didn't understand that that rationale, whatever it was, on Wednesday night. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Like, whatever his <laughs> pitch count was or his innings count they were thinking going in, he was so efficient, right? 66 pitches in six innings. you got to at least roll the dice. But I don't think it would have mattered because I still think he, was, <laughs> he had too many innings to bridge on a night when certain relievers weren't available. But, yeah, and, and last night's loss, it's hard to look at that game and not put that one on Davey, right? Because you at least got to give yourself a chance to get to extra innings. So right. why not bring in Doolittle? Um, but over the course of a long season, every manager, whether you're a second-year guy like Martinez or a guy who's been doing it you know, 25 years like Bruce Bochy, however long he's been doing it, you're going to have games where the, the loss is going to get hung on you. Right. So... Bullpen management is always tricky. Even with Dusty Baker, there were bullpen management questions. It's hard. It's hard to do that. And the game moves quicker than you think it does, right? Like everyone who's watching the game on TV thinks, oh, how did you not play that one differently? But the game can, can speed up on you, especially when in the National League and there's pinch hitters and double switches. But, yes, they're getting paid, you know, six, seven figures, so they should be, <laughs> should be able to figure these things out. Um, so you would like to have seen better management last night for sure. Ed, before we go, I got three quick questions for you. All right, can you? Is your mind good? You can remember them as I prattle them off. All right, I'll do my best. <laughs> the, the return the Orioles got for Cashner, B, Juan Soto. Are we watching someone truly historical? And C, Rendon. Do the Nats and Rendon uh, make a deal? So the return for Cashner, I was surprised. I would have thought they would have gotten somebody a little bit more tangible, closer to the big leagues. But I guess the, the market for him must not have been fully developed or might never fully develop this year. But they moved early, so it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. But yes, I was surprised that they, at, at what they got from him. All right. Uh, Soto, are we watching something historic? Uh, I mean, his, his age. I mean, it's really quite amazing. This is a 400-plus on-base guy, and he's 20 years of age. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, fun, it's fantastic. Uh, I don't. It's hard to say if we're watching something historic, because what makes it historic is how young he is. Yeah, uh, is he going to continue to get better and be like you know hit three sixty and slug five hundred and have a four digit OPS? Uh, don't know. But you know, a lot of the history that gets made by offensive players and and pitchers happens over because they have. If you start really early, you get more reps, right? So your odds of getting say four thousand hits are, are three thousand hits are better when you start at nineteen. So in that definition, yeah, we, we should be looking at history. He's a, he's a just a fantastic offensive baseball player. All right, and finally, uh, Rendon, finally, Rendon. Yeah, yeah. 
What's that? And, and finally, Rendon. Do they get a deal done? You're talking about in season here before yep. he becomes a free agent? Yep. At this point, uh, it seems doubtful to me, but if they offered Harper a deal last year at the end of the season, I can't imagine them not offering Rendon a deal at the end of the season. It's just a question of is it going to be really them offering a deal or is it just one of those ones where they do it so they can say, hey, look, we tried. You know, raise our hands up. He didn't want to do it. Um, you know, but uh, Rendon's a Boris guy, so if they do that, it sure, certainly would be easy to envision him also going the route that Harper went, which is saying, thanks, no thanks, I'm going to hit the market. So right. um, at this point, I'd be surprised if they lock him up before he hits free agency. All right, Ed Matz, Eddie Matz of ESPN.com. You can read his stuff on the Orioles, the Nationals, and just the, the National pastime. Many thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. All right.